Welcome to Asking for a Friend with me, your host, Katrina Buffard. I'm a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, and sexuality researcher. And this podcast covers any and every topic relating to sex, intimacy, or relationships that you might feel a little too embarrassed to ask about. This season of Asking for a Friend is sponsored by Desire, South Africa's leading sexual health and wellness store. For a lovely little discount, stay tuned until the end of this episode. Talking to your kids about sex and ensuring it's an ongoing, positive conversation is the one thing that almost all parents would prefer to avoid. But is it really as bad as we make it out to be? I spoke to the lovely Carly Rowena, a personal trainer, a YouTuber, and the mother to the cutest little girl, Jax. I've been following Carly on Instagram for ages, and I repeatedly have sent her messages of praise for the way that she's raising her daughter in a sex-positive, permission-filled way. She helps Jax understand her body using correct anatomical terms. She promotes permission and doesn't shame her around gender and bodies. And she's really allowing her to grow up with a view that will, without a doubt, only benefit her when she's an adult. Carly also talks so honestly on her YouTube channel about sex, relationships and life. And I really feel that as an influencer, she does so much good and she's somebody that we should really sit up and listen to. Ali, thank you so much for joining me on Asking for a Friend today. It's such an honor and, and it's, it's so exciting for me to be talking to you. I've met you before and I've followed you for ages and it's it's just a, a real thrill for me to be chatting to you. Oh, for me too. It's nice to have a friend today as well. Have someone I can see that isn't just the dog. It's so lovely to see you. <laughs> but even, even if Stephen is lovely to look at, I mean, I do wish I was doing this with you in person. I do miss human beings that aren't on a screen been a year of this now and I know you, you probably feel very much the same way um but uh, you know technology affords me the opportunity to speak to you be you know despite being 9,000 kilometers south of where you are roughly 9,000 kilometers south of where you are so the reason I wanted to speak to you is because I've been following you on Instagram for a very long time I've always loved your ethos of, of, of your brand and who you are as a person, your morals, your ethics. I, I really, really just vibe with who you are as a human being, if that's okay to say. Yeah. But you really kind of stood out for me as someone I wanted to speak to further when you became a mom and when you started sharing with your followers about the way in which you were bringing sexuality into your child's life in the most natural, easy, positive way. And I guess I want to just know, was that something you'd always planned to do? You know, when you knew you were going to become a mom, was it something that you'd given thought to? Or was it something that's just happened naturally? How has this all happened? Total honesty, it definitely wasn't something I had, it maybe flitted in and out of my head, but it wasn't something I was focused on. I've always been very open and an open book. And it was very important to me that Jax grows up truly knowing herself, but I hadn't really thought about how I was gonna go about that. Also my partner would, would never have any discussions about it, but, and we also thought we were having a boy and then having a girl, you know, it's, it feels very different too. So we just kind of found as she's been growing, there's been things about our relationship and who we are as people and what we want her to experience that have really made us do 
what felt natural to us, but we've realized through sharing hasn't necessarily been so natural to everybody. It, it really isn't natural to it. You are the outlier, actually. And that's exactly why I wanted to speak to you, because for the majority of people, they don't want to speak to their kids about sex. They are assuming that the schools will do it or, you know, they'll get a little sex education, life orientation sort of program once or twice or three times throughout their schooling career. And I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I say it to people all the time. I was talking about it on the radio this morning that by the time you become an, an adult, you know, 16, 18, depending what country you live in, you are not adequately prepared on average for what sex really looks like. Let me take it right back. Were you prepared for what sex looks like? Yeah, so I filmed a video called The Problem With Sex because I realized I'm 33 now. My concept of what I thought sex was now is completely different to what I thought it was when I was younger. And I realized that the expectation was very much two people get together, they have an orgasm and then they fall asleep. That was what my expectation was as like a 14, 15 year old girl. And now it's it's about so many more things. And um, for me, the realization that we've we're not being taught anything relevant when it comes to sex we're being taught the science but we're not being taught I, I i didn't know what i was doing i was fumbling through and it sounds awful but my, i was just allowing things to happen to me i was giving consent but i wasn't i wasn't giving anything back i wasn't participating enough to know what i was doing you you were not a an active participant in your own sexual journey no. almost you were no, just like a, a passenger yeah, I mean, I you only know when you grow up, you only know what you hear from your friends. And we all have that one friend that's having the most amazing sex ever and talks about it all the time. And we all think, oh, I'm so inadequate to that person. We have the one friend who literally doesn't ever talk about it. So you think it's like a taboo subject. If your family are up for talking about it, you'll know it from their side. You'll have the school side. You'll have what you've watched maybe back in my day, like magazines and TV shows and movies, and maybe now you've got audio porn and porn, but still none of them are you as an individual or the person that you're going to be having sex with. So it's very different when it comes down to two people or three people or whoever, when you're actually doing it to what you think you know it should be. Yeah, expectations are completely different to reality. And I think in the work that I do, it's one of the biggest um, cognitive shifts that has to take place. People come into therapy going, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. She, he's broken. I'm not normal. I, you know, sub all of the, all of the above. And it's, it's the consistent, those are the consistent thought processes that I hear. And it's so interesting that you've pointed out, you've now at the age of 33, you now know what sex is. But there was no way you could have known. And the problem was that the, the sources are usually very unreliable that we're getting our information from. I mean, you mentioned porn. Unfortunately, that is most people's first visual representation of sex if it isn't on a Hollywood film. And let's be honest, Hollywood films represent the exact type of sex you you saw that people had. They they get together, there's penetration, or so it seems like there's penetration. We don't really ever see it. Yeah, you know. Know. <laughs> they just kind of lie against each other. Yeah. And there's no mess, there's no running to the toilet, there's none of the things that actually happen. There's no Stephen staring at you while you have sex, barking at you, there's no hair in the way. I mean, it's completely unrealistic. But you 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 really that expectation you had was so common for what I hear from other people around what sex looks like. 
and that is the the real challenge right is around changing the the thought processes that we have about what sex should look like and um, to what sex actually looks like and you made a really nice point there that I want to to pick up on which was that sex is such an individual experience so what works for you individually Carly isn't going to necessarily work for me individually Katrina isn't necessarily going to work for the next person individually it is it is it is no there's no standardized approach there's no instruction manual to this it's a learning process that starts right from when we are very very little now emily nagoski i'm not sure if you know who she is she she is the um she's the wonderful wonderful sex educator um author that i interviewed for the first episode of the season and the author of come as you are which is probably i think the book that should be syllabus in schools for girls and boys it's about I will check that out. oh it's and the new edition's about to come out i think like this week or something crazy so she she is a god in my eyes when it comes to sexual um liberation of women and education and what she uses a lovely analogy she speaks about when we're born we're born with a, you know um a little a little patch of ground a little patch of soil and depending on the types of messages that we get when we're growing up we either have flowers planted or weeds planted and what i'm seeing with you and jax on instagram is you are consistently and continuously planting flowers in her garden and mm. I, I i love that so i want to know if you don't mind sharing if you were raised any differently from the way that you are raising jacks which we'll get to in a moment you're, you're, you're nodding yeah 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 no i it's, it's hard to say because it's so long ago i don't remember too much because obviously jacks is two and i don't remember up until the age of two but my parents were always very free very naked we celebrated the body i didn't know there was I didn't know that bodies, you know, there wasn't anything negative to think of about bodies. My mum was always very comfortable with herself. There was my dad and I have a stepsister and we were always topless if ever we were playing on the beach. And even till like I've always been topless, I never knew that that wasn't a thing. Um, we wouldn't necessarily talk about sex, but they had a very healthy relationship around me. So I think I always knew intimacy, not necessarily sex. Um, but I did learn most of my stuff from school and from friends, which is why I feel like I want to help. And I have always tried to help others who maybe feel a little bit alone in not knowing what they're meant to do. Because I definitely struggled with understanding what sex was growing up. You've really, really used your voice and your platform to normalize experiences that we have sexually. And I often see when you have kind of like ask Carly anything, or ask me anything that people ask you questions about relationships and about sex and you're, you're so honest and you're so real in the way that you answer it because actually you're just showing everybody that these experiences that they're having are normal. There's nothing wrong with them. No one's broken. If you have difficulties in the bedroom, if you have difficulties in relationships, and yet what do you think it was that helped you really find your feet and your voice there to, to talk so openly about a topic that we don't get the permission to talk about from a very early age? I think it was more... I see my audience very much as friends that I haven't yet met. And I'm aware that I didn't feel like I had that friend who would talk to me about these things. Not honestly, I had friends that would tell me they had the best sex life or that they love blowjobs. I didn't have friends that would tell me, actually, I don't know what I'm doing and actually I'm not having sex. And those, I didn't have that. And I feel it's so important to have the other side. There's always the amazing side, but there's always the truthful side too. Where And, and for instance, even more so when I became pregnant after I had Jack's, 
I honestly thought I was broken. I had zero sex drive. Um, it's still taking a while to get that back as well, if I'm totally honest. And I honestly did think I was broken. I remember sitting on the toilet and being like, I love sex. Why do I not want to have sex? What's happened to me? Where's this gone? And I was like, if I'm feeling the same, and I've always been very, I'm, I'm so lucky because I can talk to my husband about anything. The communication is so open. But how come I can talk to him so great about sex, but now I don't, why am I now broken if we have this open communication? So I know that if I feel this way, others are feeling this way. And if I can help just one person, then it is so worth sharing. I, I totally, totally get that. And I feel the same way. It's why it's why I do this work. If there's just one person that contacts me and said says, that episode, game changer for me, everything has been different. Or, you know, one post you put up in social media, whatever it's really, really, really worth it. So it's almost empowering. I guess that's the word I would use for myself. I find it really empowering and rewarding to do this work. And for you, I guess, in finding your feet and finding your voice on a platform that can be used for so much good. We know obviously there's a lot of bad as well that comes with social media, unfortunately, but there's so much opportunity to show the real, the normal, the helpful, the change that can take place. And that's why I contacted you because mm-hmm. what you're doing with Jax, and I've told you this before when I've, I've reached out on Instagram, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal and it's completely out of the ordinary. And I didn't know. I mean, I've never been a mum before and I don't have that many mum friends and I did not know that how I was being with Jax was that different because it feels very natural um, I only recently gathered that it wasn't when I was actually with a friend and Jax is permanently naked. She loves to be naked. And we've obviously taught her the word vagina and vulva. Um, and my friend was saying, oh, she's always got her mini out. And, I, and Jax was like, what's mini? And I was like, oh, she means your vulva vagina. And I was like, oh, is that what you're going to say it is to your daughter? And she was like, yeah, maybe flower. And I was like, ah, okay. And I don't mind what you want to call, you know, every parent's their own. But it really surprised me because I thought that that friend was very, I didn't see that. I honestly thought she was going to say exactly the same thing. And when she didn't, I was quite taken back. I mean, the reality is you you are, again, you are the outlier. And I wish it wasn't the case. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell you, from a research perspective, what we've found, what we, not me, obviously, I wish I'd done these studies, but what studies have found is that when you use the correct anatomical language um, with your children, it yields a far more positive sexual development into adulthood than if you use nicknames. So mm-hmm. like I keep saying, you're doing Jack's so many favors sexually. And what I hear from your friend's side is there's a lot of discomfort around the words that we use for our genitals. Now, another thing I want to point out is how phenomenal that you differentiate vulva and vagina because that is groundbreaking. I'm going to be honest here. That was because of social media because I, I know what it is, but I said I say vagina quite a lot to her. So she says that. But then social media, the two people that were not happy with me said, you do know it's not vagina, it's vulva. And I was like, okay, she's struggling to say that as a word, but we'll make sure she says that too now. So I was like, Give her a break. She's too, she's doing an excellent job. You're doing a great job. But, but I love that you differentiated that because I've often spoken about that on the podcast and I preach that all the time to clients and workshops and things like that. So you're using correct anatomical language. Now, the real challenge with nicknames is it's, you know, why we call an ear an ear and a nose a nose and a mouth a mouth and a bum a bum. But why do we not call it a vulva or a vagina or a penis? 
why do we have to give it a nickname like flower or mini? And that is, I mean, I grew up with nicknames as well, you know, Fanny and Willie, those were nicknames, uh, you know, with my, my British parents, those were the nicknames that came, that came to mind, I guess, for them. And I didn't grow up. Leon says wee wee for his, or he would say wee wee for his. And I had Lady Garden was the one that all my friends would say, which is very posh. And I just found it very confusing. And actually, Leon would, because obviously when we've had bath times, she's noticing we have different body parts. And Leon was going to say, oh, no, that's my wee-wee. And I said, but, babe, that's going to be really confusing. If you say it's a wee-wee and now we're telling her to go do a wee-wee, how's that going to work for the two? So it was trying to differentiate, and and now he gets that, and he feels much more comfortable. But from his side, that wasn't a comfortable topic either until he got his head around it. Yeah, I think that is is the the point that I wanted to make, is that you have faced your head comfortably. You have faced your discomfort head on. As I like to say, you have Brene Brown to the shit out of yourself. You have lent into it wholeheartedly and your other half had to do that as well. And I think that's the real challenge. We, we pass down our discomfort to our kids. The shame and the, the embarrassment is intergenerational unless we change the narrative. And that's what I've been seeing you do with Jax. So you use correct anatomical language. Now, maybe let me jump back a few steps. It, you said you didn't plan this. It started supernaturally. How, when? Was there curiosity from her side? Was it teaching, learning? What was happening? Yeah, so I've obviously never had a child before and we have Jacks and I, I don't know how babies behave. I don't have them whenever we spend much time with them, but I noticed pretty early on that they touch themselves a lot. And obviously it feels good. You touch things that feel good. And I noticed and I was like, okay, well, we're going to have to tell her what this is because she's touching it a lot. She never wants to wear pants. She always wants to be naked. We're going to have to tell her. So it just, it it physically just came out because it felt weird to say anything else because I felt like I'd be lying to her of whatever else I called it if I was honest. So I said, that's your vagina. And I said, mummy's got one too. Daddy's got a penis. And um, Stephen has also got a penis. And we talk about boobies Sorry, and nipples. Just for the listeners, Stephen is the dog. <laughs> penis that's always there um and I said you know I said nipples and boobies and all of this um because that's what they are and so she yeah and she would always just say vagina out which I think is what everyone saw online because she never wants to wear pants um and it's just stayed and it's been lovely because her words are fantastic the all the words that she's using to describe us are amazing and we actually recently went through a phase where um she said that she was a, a little boy to me I said like oh do you love wearing dresses and she was like I'm a, I'm a boy and I was like oh okay well do you want me to dress you in other stuff and she said no I like these dresses I said oh is daddy a boy she said yeah daddy's a boy I said am I a boy she said no you're a girl so I was like oh, this is new to me to go through this conversation of sexes so young and I can't lie immediately I panicked because I thought okay I in this generation now we're so open to different and I'm happy for her to be whatever I want to be but what do I do here am I meant to tell her that she is a girl or meant to tell her she's a boy or am I meant to tell her she's neither and she can be whatever she likes I had a real what do I do here that's not going to cause any problems um so I said well Jax you have a vagina at the moment so that would mean you're like mummy but if you want to tell me that you're a boy we can be a boy and we can change things at any point you be what you want to be um but there is so much you know stress as a parent worrying about saying and not saying the right stuff so I just think if I can be as honest and truthful with my words it's going to help her the best that's all I've decided that is the hands down the best thing that you could do there's no (laughs) such thing as a perfect parent now I'm not a parent myself but there's no such thing as a perfect parent and and we have to go into parenthood 
understanding that because actually if we try to be the perfect parent we're going to do a massive disservice to ourselves and our children because it's going to rub up rub off on our kids but just to be real with our kids be honest with them and tell them the truth because they want to know the truth and actually if we i mean other than santa claus and, and easter bunny and the tooth fairy those are things that must remain magical and fantastical <laughs> but otherwise we we need to tell them as much of the truth that is appropriate as possible so yes. it sounds like as she's been discovering her body, and I suppose I want to caveat and say that babies actually start to stimulate themselves in the womb. They, yeah. they, they, it's a soothing action. It just yeah. feels nice. It feels good. It does feel good. We all know it feels good. That's why it, it's such a crazy thing that we're actually made to feel. I mean, I did a video on self-pleasure. It's nuts that we're made to feel like it's something we shouldn't do or that it's naughty or dirty. Or I mean, men have been allowed to do it forever and we all just know. But women, for some reason, it is something that it's not It's not what we're meant to be doing unless someone's doing it for us. So, yeah, no, I noticed it very early on and was like, okay. And I know that, you know, my partner was like, what do I say? What do I do? She's doing it when I'm in the bath with her. Like, and you're like, well, babe, it feels good. Does it feel good? It, it feels good. She's not doing it to because of you. She's doing it because it feels nice. It's a comfort. Like, just, you know, ignore it. As she gets older, we'll say, that's something you want to do in your bedroom or that's something you want to do when mommy and daddy aren't around. Do it whenever, you, that sort of thing. But yeah, you, you just got to let them do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not shaming the action. No. As soon as you you shame an action that feels pleasurable, she associates pleasure, your child will associate pleasure to shame and yeah. sexual pleasure to shame. Obviously, we get pleasure from a lot of different things in life, food, travel. Oh, I miss travel so much. Oh, I know. Food, travel, time with family and friends, sex, a good book. We get so many different pleasures, but as soon as that body part that has been nicknamed something that gets shamed, no, you mustn't touch it, stop it, what are you doing? Immediately, the child's brain associates that part of their body to bad, and they don't want to be bad to mommy and daddy, or mommy and mommy, or daddy and daddy. They they don't want to be bad in their parents' eyes. So it's awesome. I mean, you're really teaching your partner a lot, and you're kind of going out on in leading in the dark here, but you're you're just learning through doing in this process. And this is obviously all age appropriate, but as she discovers her body and as she learns about it, have you thought further about how you want to frame things? What do you want to do? How do you want to talk to her? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's all just really been very instinctual and just very honest. And I think that is the only book I'm going to follow that I just want to continue to be really honest with her. And um, I understand that obviously as a parent, she's going to have a different level of things she wants to maybe talk to me about as she goes older. But I just hope we can keep the forum open so that she can always talk to me. And I'll always try and give her books and anything I can that will try and help. Um, and uh, we've actually spoken because very farther down the line, both me well I've had a lot of counseling in my life which has been so helpful and we were talking about the other day and I said oh god I hope Jax maybe has a counselor at some point in life so she is someone that she can talk to if she ever needs so really I'm just going to follow just just not lying to her being truthful as much as I can and yeah it's the shame thing for me I want her to celebrate her body and what it can do and yeah just like podcasts like yours and everything and just to try and figure stuff out but at the moment I'm just going with my gut instinct and just being truthful yeah, I, I guess there's not there's there's no better way to do it is to be truthful. She's she's so inquisitive, right? She's at that age where she's learning so much, she's speaking so much. And I imagine as a parent, obviously it's absolutely incredible to see this process taking place for the first time and watching her interact with the world and learn words and learn concepts and 
you know, just as you used the example earlier, mommy, what's mini? You know, what, what's mini? And then you're able to say, oh, no, mini is vagina or vulva. It's the same thing. And as she goes through that process, because you didn't get that, and it's 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 no fault to your parents. My parents also didn't give me that education when I was growing up. I had one birds and the bees talk once upon a time when I was about 17 from my mom in the car. Great place yeah. to talk to your kids, by the way. I used to think that that was horrific, but actually it's really good because I couldn't get away. So yeah. <laughs> top tip, talk to your children in the car while you're, uh, while you're driving. For a walk. I think those are the two because you're both doing something. You don't have to look at each other. So talking is really good. Exactly. You don't have to look at each other. You're looking ahead. You're looking at Steve and the dog walking and yeah. you can have this conversation as, as you know, as she gets older, you're having different types of conversations as she becomes more curious about different things. But the way that you're approaching it is so important as an example for people to see of how, how to best equip your child to understand themselves sexually. You were kind of speaking to the type of approach or the type of perspective you're taking. It's open, it's honest that wasn't necessarily the approach that you were given. So what impact do you think it's going to have on her? How different do you think her upbringing and her development of her sexuality will be in comparison to yours? Well, I think one, I mean, I've always been a pleaser, like a people pleaser. And I'm very much aware of the fact that I think that has stopped me from pleasing myself a lot of the time, not just sexually, but just in life, because I've always been told to, you know, make sure everyone else is okay, make sure everyone's happy, do things to please others. And I think that very much shaped my sexual experience to never really know what an orgasm was for such a long time, because I was so focused on everybody else having to be in a good spot. And the thing that we've been doing with Jacks, which has been actually probably the hardest thing I've had to deal with as a parent is... Being a people pleaser, I was very much taught to always go and hug your parents, go and give kisses, always say goodbye, show them that you love them, please and thank yous. Now, obviously, lockdown has made that more difficult because we haven't been able to hug and stuff. But Jax, when people say goodbye to her, people are like, oh, can I have a kiss? You autom- people automatically say, oh, can you blow me a kiss? Can you give me a hug? She will say no. She'll say no, and she'll just go bye. Or sometimes she's and I'm and for a little while I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this I can see the look of sadness on my parents' eyes where they're not getting this kiss or this hug from her. But she doesn't have to kiss or hug anyone that she doesn't want to. And that for me has been a really big life lesson because I feel like because I was always told to do that, even people, and we all have it the cousins or the people that we really didn't like, that we really didn't want to kiss as a, as a child. I remember having to kiss people and be like, I don't want to kiss them, but I had to because I was told to say goodbye to them or show them some affection. I'm really hoping this is going to stop Jax from feeling like she has to please everybody because she, I'm enabling her to say, actually, mom, I'm going to say goodbye, but I don't have to touch them or kiss them to say goodbye to people because I think that was a, a place where I went wrong as a child, definitely. It's not only changing your narrative, but it's the epitome of consent, actually. Yeah. It's where consent starts. Also, you know, give give granny a hug goodbye. What if I don't want to give granny a hug goodbye? You and know? she does. She says no. And, oh, my gosh, I feel it. She's like, no. Oh, do you want to give them a kiss? No. And you're like, okay, this hurts a little bit. But also, huge respect. That's great that you can say yeah. no and be fine with it. And yeah. everyone's like, why should she have to kiss you? There's no reason for her to have to kiss you. But, um, yeah, that, that was a really hard one. But I'm hoping for consent because I have seen a lot that have said, and I do feel like for myself, I just let people come on in and I would happily give them consent because I didn't know that you could say anything other, really. Hadn't been taught that. 
Yeah, I, I I feel you on that. I mean, I had an experience not so long ago. It must have been in, I'm just trying to think like when things started opening up here a bit more in South Africa, it was summertime. So it must have been September, November. Somebody came up, we were allowed to go out to restaurants and things like that. They've been open really from sort of September. Someone came up behind me and gave me a huge hug and a kiss. And I was so upset. It was so non-consensual. And yeah. In the past, pre-COVID, I, you know, I would have been excited to see my friend and given a hug and a kiss, and I would have been consenting to that by returning it. I instantly froze, and I got so upset by the situation, realizing how much we don't actually ask for consent before we do something or get the consent before we do something. And while it's a silly example in what well, might not seem in relation to sex. I think what you're you're doing by letting Jax be her own person and make her own decisions, it's fascinating how it's actually teaching you mm. to to recognize your own boundaries and what's important for you in consent, you know, around different types of situations as well. Yeah, honestly, becoming a parent has been the biggest eye-opener to so many things that I needed to change about myself or even, you know, just making you realize things about your own childhood watching. You're kind of watching it again. Um, and I can see why the same things happen generation after generation. I'm lucky because I did put myself in the counseling to learn new techniques about myself, which in turn has then really helped me be able to see things with Jax. But I think had I not had that, I probably would have been going down the same road of different things that have led me, led me to have like a path of certain bits that weren't happy. So yeah, it's honestly, it's been incredible watching her and being like, ah, we kind of need to change that. Or and and every day is different when they learn something different. You're like, okay, we need to we need to focus on this and figure out how we can help her with it. Out of interest, it was I was just wondering that situation you had with your friend where your friend said, I used the word flower or mini. Mm-hmm. Is there any concern or have you any had any kind of uncomfortable thoughts or feelings around what happens when Jax is at school and says vulva and another kid says vulva and their parent then hears they said vulva and you know it, it goes through the 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 chain of 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 um what's yeah. it called? broken record um, yeah. is that something that's come up for you that you're concerned about because it didn't feel wrong to me to say I hadn't at first but when I put it on social media and there was a person who sent me a private dm and said you need to take that video down of your daughter saying vagina because when she gets older and she sees that she's going to be mortified and my response was if my daughter is mortified because she saw a video of her using the correct term for a body part then I have not raised her correctly because I'm hoping that when Jax uses those words at school she is so proud of herself for saying the right thing because what can anyone have what because she's saying the right name for her body parts that would be a negative it's not so I'm hoping that I'm going to give her the power to understand the words that she's using and hopefully then empower some of her friends or people that are around her there's nothing that she can say there that is deemed bad so I I would be devastated if it went that way she, I can almost see that you're going to be the mom that all her, <laughs> her friends come to when they want to know the truth. Yeah. They want to be like, I, love that. <laughs> I, I love that. They're like, okay, let's go to Jax's house because Jax's mom is really cool. And she'll tell us about, the, she'll tell us the truth about this situation. And yeah. you will do these, these kids such a big favor. And it's so interesting that person that's reached out to you and said that it speaks volumes about their own discomfort around their body, around those words. And I've had many a conversation with my, my podcast guests about language and, and, you know, vulva, vagina, penis, masturbation, penetration. I can say them as easily as the, you know, 
the, I can talk about them as easily as I can talk about what sushi I'm planning on having. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy for me. And but you've and you and I, we've both had to learn how to be comfortable with those words. And so that person, they're not comfortable with those words, and that's okay. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're doing Jack such a good thing by by taking this honest, real approach to sex with her that one day she will look back on and be really grateful for. Because as I said, as somebody doing something against the norm, she and her friends will recognize that there is a reality to it, that you're kind of, what's the word, that you are portraying. You, you're. If we look at that difference between expectation and reality that perhaps you and I experienced, Jacks won't have that massive gap between those two. Yeah, I just, I just want. I, I often think back and think about if I could start my sexual journey, how would I like that first moment to be? And have you ever watched the movie One Two Night Stand? No, two, two Night Stand. Not watch it. It's great. It's basically about. Sorry to ruin the plot here. It's basically about two people who they have a one night stand, but then they get snowed in, so they end up basically being stuck with each other. And so they are so brutally honest about how the sex went on the one night stand that they decided to do an experiment and make it the best two night stand they could make. And they literally are like so brutally honest with each other. And they're like, well, that wasn't that great. This was great. That wasn't, you could do this. So honest. And I often think if I could have my first time with someone and feel so able to voice my body and the things I don't know what to do, the things I do know how to do, what I think I do and don't like, that would be incredible. And that is the only two, I hope I pass on to Jax that she is able to say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I do like this, or I don't like that would be amazing. I would be so proud of myself if I gave her the power to feel she could say those things, because it's not where I was at when I first entered. And it wasn't where I was until probably a couple of years ago. I, I was doing a radio interview this morning on a national radio station here, and we were talking um, kind of expectations around sex for first year uni students. Going into uni or university in the very first year, you have no clue. You have actually got no idea what sex really is, what it's all about. And as you said, you know, you're in your kind of early 30s, and you're only now, only in the last few years, just really figured yourself out. And that has got so much to do with you know, access to knowledge, being more comfortable with your body. And you said something there that really intrigued me, which was that Jax is the difference between you and Jax or or me and Jax or our generation and Jax's generation. When I ask clients, what do they need sexually? What do they want sexually? Currently, and it's been like this for the last decade that I've been in practice, it is a very difficult question for people to answer. They have no clue what they want sexually or need sexually. And I have noticed that because I shared a video and I said, what a lot of people say they have no libido. And I say to them, do you know what sex do you want? What is the sex that you want to be having? Because I found for me that actually this, this, you end up, creating something that maybe isn't what you want and obviously you know where we all go to with our sexual kinks and fantasies might not necessarily be what you actually want in real life but it might be that you don't want to always go to bed and have sex in bed that's the thing that you're doing every day it might be like me I want to go to sleep when I go to bed I don't want to have sex when I go to bed I literally want to fall asleep so can we do it in the afternoon or something when there's no one else in the house it might be that you're a mum and I literally can hear Jax in the other room and I can't think of anything worse than having sex if I can hear her in the other room I'm just thinking of her the whole time and if I'm going to have an orgasm I need to not 
not be thinking or in my head. So that's not going to work. And when I ask so many people, like, what is sex to them? Or, or have you asked yourself, who are you having sex for? Because a lot of people, and I was, was having sex for my partner or the people who might fancy me. I was never having sex for me. And I hadn't thought about, okay, well, what does sex for me look like? I know what sex on my own looks like, but I don't know what sex for somebody else looks like if I'm doing it for me. And it was such a vital question. When I realized that, I was like, okay, I haven't been having sex for me at all. It's a crucial, crucial question. Crucial because most people will answer for my partner. If, you know, there's a study that I, myself and my colleagues will always reference um, that was done in the early 2000s. They found 237 reasons why we have sex. Everything from I was cold to I wanted to be close to my partner to I wanted to go to sleep. So there are so many reasons. But if consistently your reason for having sex is to please somebody else, research again shows us that your levels of sexual satisfaction are really low, really, really low because it's constantly about somebody else's needs and somebody else's wants. So your journey as well has taken you on figuring out that you are actually as much of a priority as your partner is on a journey of figuring out that pleasure is something you can have when you want it, if you want it, because you mentioned something just now about context, which is the most crucial thing when it comes to pleasure and desire and sexual satisfaction if your child is in the other room making noise and you can hear them, your sex brain is not coming online. It's not going to happen. If you are feeling a bit achy and cold, you've got like a a bit of a flu coming on, not COVID, you've got a bit of a flu coming on, you're not going to want sex. If you've had a long day, we've just had a day and it's 11 o'clock at night and you're not an evening person, it is unlikely you're going to want to have sex. So context is so, so important when it comes to, you know, meeting our sexual needs and experiencing sexual satisfaction in a relationship. So teaching Jax what her body parts are called and that it's her body and that if it feels nice, she can do it. But, you know, when she gets a bit older and she needs to, you do it in your, in the privacy of your own room and, and all of these things, you're, you're really starting to set the solid, solid foundation for her in understanding that she has her own needs and her own wants and they're as important and they matter as much as her partners do if not more you know I because I don't think currently at least and since up until now anyway we have promoted women's sexual pleasure and women's sexual needs definitely not and even to the point of I just think it was always deemed something that we don't do but we do and it's all this secretiveness and yeah it's just it it's And it's almost, it just frustrates me. And it's something I've had to try and get my head around when I talk to people. And like, even women, if we have sex toys, for example, they have to be like hidden. You can't, and they're beautiful. So they should literally be up on the mantelpiece. Some of them are so gorgeous now, but it is just this constant hiding everything. And and even the discussion with men about why you might want to use toys. It doesn't mean you don't love them. You just, it's just, there's so much that we just need to feel more comfortable about talking. But I know it's not easy for some people and it is a journey, but if you can open up with yourself just everything feels so much better and then you know it's going to become so much easier with your you know your future generations as well i i i almost feel like you might have answered this this final question i want Mm -hmm. to ask you in what you've just said but let me throw it at you anyway If, if there was only one thing that you could tell jacks about sex and sexuality what would that one thing be 
have sex for herself first would be the one thing I would say because truly I mean I could probably live a really happy life just having sex with just myself if I'm totally honest if it came down to it um I'm great at it so if she was good at that then great and um, but, but it's if she can if she can do it for herself and understand her own body what feels good what doesn't feel good then she's going to also be able to have great sex with other people because she's going to know how to show you know it'd be incredible to show other people what she likes and what she doesn't. And then hopefully she'll also have the confidence to ask other people what they like. So she can just have a great relationship with bodies, which would be amazing. Because I think if you don't know your own body or your own self, it's really hard to let someone else come in and explore it. Impossible. It's impossible. And it's one of the biggest reasons people land up in therapy with me is because one, they've never been given the permission to explore it and permission doesn't have to be you can do this it's that's okay no problem you know that's your vulva that's your vagina uh, it's it's okay if you touch yourself there no problem could you do that in your bedroom you know on your own it's those little tiny things along the way consistently and it's then figuring out what works for you when i see people in my practice i can tell you that almost always they got very little to no sex positive messages growing up and negative messages can be as detrimental as no messages whatsoever. So they've got very little positive or next to no positive sexual messages growing up. There was no permission around it, particularly for women, no permission around their own sexual pleasure and exploring themselves sexually. There were perhaps, you know, difficulties with body image and, and body image might've been shamed or they might've had, kind of felt that they had to adhere to a particular social or cultural norm. There may have been trauma. And unfortunately, trauma comes from a lack of education in, in not understanding consent and, and sexuality. And when they get older, there's a real difficulty in letting go, in being in the moment, in allowing the permission, allowing themselves to experience it. And so everything that you've said today in this journey that you're so far, or the journey that you have so far taken with Jax in just two years is, is, is a privilege for me to watch. Um, yeah. I really feel it is. And can we maybe chat again in about five years' time and see what's going yeah. on? 100%. I'll actually love to chat to you anyway because I, obviously working with Jax I think has definitely come from my want to be you know improve my own as well and knowing what I've lacked in and it's taken me to you know I'm 33 it's taken me all this time to get to this and I'm thinking I don't want her to have the same thing so that is why you end up working on it extra hard so yeah 100% you can see what happens with Jax I hope I'm going to be teaching her the right things and I will definitely definitely keep you posted Amazing. Well, I'm really grateful you joined me today. You gave me some of your time. I will link in the show notes where people can find you. You're super active on Instagram. And that's obviously where I've seen all this amazing, um, all these amazing videos of, of Jax. And I'm, I'm so excited, so excited from a sexual perspective to watch her grow and develop and blossom. So thanks, Carly. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to this podcast and continue learning about some incredible and fascinating topics that we need to know more and talk more about. You can subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite platform. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you would rate and review it. This episode was sponsored by Desir. Desir believes that sexual health is not just about the latest sex toy, but about using products to improve one's overall sexual health and well-being. For 15% off, 
use the code for a friend.